Today's podcast is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you'll get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That's again, podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Social Work Rants podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of your application. Disclaimer, this podcast is not to be a substitute for individual therapy. If you need assistance, call 911 if you're in the U.S. or any emergency phone number. If you need help, if you feel depressed, anxious, reach out to someone. This podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. Thank you. Hello, social workers, mental health professionals, and change agents. Welcome to another episode of the Social Work Rants Podcast. I'm your host, Bash Moreno. Thank you for joining uh, wherever and however you're listening to this podcast. Uh, This week's episode features uh, Katie Wilson, LCSW, working out of Colorado. Uh, She works as a residential coordinator at a community mental health agency, working with... uh, uh, mentally ill adults, uh, we get into her ins and outs of, of her role. Uh, she also uh, works as a contracted intake caseworker in a uh, child welfare agency. We get into child welfare. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've been talking a little bit about child welfare. I think it's a great experience. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. But for all the newbies and social worker. Newbie social workers is a, a great place to start, get your feet wet, uh, and get started in, in the field, uh, and you'll bring a lot of experience with the next job after that. So we, we talk about that. Uh, we talk about uh, you know, lack of funding and budget cuts that's happening in Colorado. So we talk about a lot of, a lot of different things, and then she also mentions a uh, support group that she wants to do uh, in the future uh, of uh, family members and, and peers who have lost loved ones due to suicide. So uh, it's uh, Suicide uh, Awareness Month. Um, so if anybody um, contemplating or have thoughts about suicide, please uh, talk to somebody or contact the hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Um, it's important. Um, it's okay not to be okay, but at least please you know, talk to someone, be family, friends, peers, and anyone. Um, it's okay to seek help. Um, you can follow, with that being said, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at the Social Work Rants Podcast. That's all one word. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Social Work Rants. You can also follow the uh, podcast on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page. Just type in 
the Social Work Rants podcast. And hit the like button. Uh, please leave a comment, share podcast episodes, your favorite podcast episode. Let, let me know what are your favorite uh, podcast episodes, who your favorite guests are. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review, um, and thank you again for supporting the podcast. Again, wherever and however you're listening to the podcast, it, the podcast can be heard on all audio platforms. So, um, yeah, and all over the world. So I, I appreciate the love, appreciate the support. So after this message from Anchor is my conversation with uh, Katie Wilson, LCSW. Uh, stay safe. We're still in the pandemic. Uh, get tested if you need to for for COVID, um, and just be safe. Peace. Work. Yeah. So my name is Katie. Um, I do a couple of different things in this whole social work world. Where my primary job is, I'm the residential coordinator for a community mental health agency. So it's an adult residential program, and all of our clients have an SBMI diagnosis. So pretty, pretty intense. It's act- I mean, we actually are under the intensive umbrella for the agency. So that's my primary job. Um, and then I also do contract work with the county out here as an intake caseworker. So I used to work for them full time for like two and a half years. And I left when I got my coordinator job. And then they actually contacted me again and asked me to come back as contract and just kind of help out with taking assessments. So I do that on the side. And recently I've been working on, and it's not launched or anything yet, but hopefully here soon, um, I'm working on starting up like a support group and a program for people that have lost someone to suicide and trying to create something for them as just a place to go and not feel so alone. So those are the the three big things that I do in the social work world now. Cool. Um, now, how long you've been in the field? I graduated with my master's in 2016. So okay. officially, I guess, five years. But obviously, I was doing like my internships and stuff like that before and yeah. always kind of doing different things. But I was more in like a school setting prior to having my master's. So, so how is it working in a residential? Because I know I, I did residential briefly, and it, it was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right, residential is intense. I, I, I don't know. Part of me is, I don't know. I don't know the right word to use for it. But I work from home now, so I'm not like in the houses and doing okay. a lot of the really hard work. I am supervising and managing the houses, so that's definitely the. A difference where I'm not in the houses and I'm not doing different interventions and working through some of the crisis situations that come up. So it's not your typical residential position, I guess, compared to like what I've done before, where in my internship, I did groups, I was running groups and stuff for adolescents and in residential settings. And that was definitely intense. That was, that was intense. (laughs) It's rough yeah. work for sure. It's just, it's a field, it's an area in our field. I feel like our, our field is already so, that there's just not the respect on it that there should be. And then residential just definitely does not have the respect on it that it, it should have. Cause it's a tough job. Yeah. It's def- definitely, uh, 
definitely a, a tough job and you really got to have the right people working and everybody kind of be you know cohesive and be on the same page and not just be uh i guess selfish and you know think about other people's time and yeah you might have like your obviously you got your own stuff you know you're a human being got your own stuff going on but it's hard when you got a lot of stuff on your plate and then you work at residential and stuff happens in residential and it's going to mess up whatever you got going on after you get off the clock. So it's, it's right. Right. it definitely doesn't get uh, the recognition it deserves in the field as being a tough job. Uh, as I was there, I was at a residential place uh for a very short time and it definitely was intense. I can't think of another, there's a definitely a stronger word than intense, but I'm going with it (laughs) intense uh, for now. So uh, definitely. Yeah, I don't know if there's just one word that really can describe residential. Yeah, I remember doing like double shifts and kind of working like pretty much 24 hours, like, non-stop and getting one day off and going right back after the day off and still being tired so it was just it was just definitely an experience it is an experience it is (laughs) it is definitely a place where you can like you can learn a ton of stuff and it it can be exhausting oh yeah that definitely definitely was exhausting and in those couple of months, I think uh, took like a couple of years off off my life. So I believe just... it. I believe it. That's how I feel about child protection sometimes. Oh uh, yes, uh, no child welfare. I mean, I, I've mentioned this in, in other podcast episodes that I've done that I've learned so much in in child welfare, but definitely is taxing. It's stressful. I mean, you learn. You know, basically, like to to watch her back from administration. You know, no job security and just a whole. And if you get a chance, your your caseload. I mean, I had a caseload where I had someone who who had a mental health diagnosis. I had someone with an HIV diagnosis. You know, and just you know, drug and alcohol addiction. You know, it it ran the gam the gamut of everything in, in social work that. And then this was even before I even thought about going to grad school and learning all this stuff. And just the job security definitely played a huge part and knowing about supervision and seeing I had I had good supervision. I had terrible supervision, what to look for in in in, in a supervisor. So I learned so much in three in three years uh, there. So I definitely I, I recommend anybody just to do it, get your feet wet, even six months to a year, just to, just to do it. And you just learn a lot and it'll, it'll, you'll be able to like to work pretty much anywhere in the field. Right. Yeah. I think that's one thing I even said in my interview for my the residential position, because they're like, can you handle tough situations or people being angry? And I'm like, yes, yes, I have unfortunately like had to remove children from their homes and I don't know of a harder conversation to have. So mm. 
Yeah. How, how was that? How was that like for you? Like doing that? It sucks. It sucks. Honestly, like, I don't know. It's not an easy conversation. It's hard. It's emotional. It's it just, it never feels good. Cause you know that as much as there needs to be safety and stability in a home, and that's maybe not in the home. We also know that removing a, a child from a home is super traumatizing too. So it's just, I don't know. It's just like a really hard battle that you have to go with when you're going into those situations and have to make those decisions. And I don't know, it just never feels good. It's always hard. And it's a big reason why I ended up leaving and not doing it full time is because it was just emotionally too rough on me. And I had, I was not a mom when I started the position. And then I had my daughter about halfway through. And then I think my daughter was like nine months old. And I just remember sitting on her floor and I was crying from the day. And my nine month old is coming over, like trying to make me feel better. I'm like, I got to get out of this. Like, this isn't okay. It's affecting me as a mom. It's affecting me as a person. Um, So it's, yeah, it's a tough job. Yeah, and and I was the, uh, on the opposite uh, spectrum of you know, the kids already in care, and we were at the foster care agency. And then, you know, initially when you first meet the kids, they're like, you know, blaming you for being having the kids removed from the home. We're like, I'm not the one that took took you away from your home. I'm trying to get you back uh, to your home. If, if that's if that deemed and just you know learning to gain their trust and providing all the services and you know, support for them and all the, you know, the family visits, you know, scheduling those and and just the, the whole gamut that, that goes, you know, you know, with that for possible reunification if it, if it's deemed appropriate. So um, I can only imagine, I've had a couple of friends that, that did the removals and, and they're like, like I, I can't, like I gotta get out, and uh-huh. they they work you know, a few years. All right, like, I can't do it anymore. Like, so it, it's I I can can't even imagine that, you know how taxing and stressful that you know that was for you. Yeah, absolutely, it was good to get out. I mean, I know I'm still kind of in it and doing doing it a little bit on on the side, but I have more control and like what assignments I get. So I'm like nothing that's going to court, nothing that's going to be an ongoing issue. Like, so it, it makes it nice having a little bit more control over those things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't stand go, going to court. That was like the one thing I, I I couldn't do. And it was just nerve wracking. And some of the judges and court referees, some of them just don't know what the hell they, they doing or, or talking about. Yes. Yet they want to like, make all these rulings and stuff so it's it was a, a unique uh, situation for sure yeah. for sure so what what's like the the most interesting thing you have, have seen at the at the residence oh man i don't know if i have like one specific thing that kind of like stands out i just I think talking to them is so interesting. They've lived such, they've had so many different things go on in their life. 
And like I said, most of them do have like the SPMI diagnosis. So the majority of our residents do have a a diagnosis of schizophrenia. So kind of going through and working with their hallucinations and their delusions and trying to do some reality checking. And so nothing like one thing that kind of stands out is just, it just is really sad to hear some of the things that they go through and the things that they're hearing and the level of paranoia because they're so afraid that they had killed somebody or they killed the president or that they did something really terrible because that's what the voices are telling them that they did. So it's just really sad. I do remember one time and it's he, the resident laughed at me. So I'm, I, I laughed at myself too, but one of the houses has a loft and it looks down into the living room and I was leaving the house and so the loft was behind me and I didn't realize that anyone was up in the loft. So as I was leaving, he was like, bye, Katie, have a good day. And I'm like looking around everywhere because I didn't know where the voice was coming from. And he's just laughing at me. I was like, I didn't know that you were there. Like I just heard voices. And then he made fun of me and he's like, don't worry. I hear, I hear voices all the time too. Like you're good here. <laughs> so I'm like, oh man, if that was the wrong person, it definitely could have like really set them off. And that's yeah, not yeah. at all how I meant it. I just didn't know that someone was there. So I just, yeah, heard this voice and I didn't know that there was an actual person standing right there watching me walk out the door, but he took it and he just laughed at me and he was just like, you're good. I, I understand those problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as though... But it's something as simple as that, and and yeah, that it's good that the, you know, you know the client had, had a a sense of humor about it, and many and many of the clients, you know, with a severely uh, mental illness, you know, they, you know, be, besides all they're hearing the voices and everything that they go through, you know, they they will tell you stories. They they will remember stuff about their their past great you know they probably done um many good things many of them are very artistic and will mm-hmm. draw painting and uh, pictures and just like wow like you wouldn't think they had the skill but many are very artistic maybe do like poetry i've had clients that do some rapping and poetry you know drawing is is a big thing and, and it's just it's got a skill and like bring out of them at times while mm-hmm. managing, you know, their their symptoms and medications and you know, their you know, different medications. Mm-hmm. They're on lithium, you know, lithium levels, and all, all all this other stuff, you know, that goes into it. And, and those type of stories need to come out, you know, with that with that type of population and not absolutely know, not the like the. The other stuff that, that they want to get like into like being violent violent or anything like that because more, nine out of ten times uh someone with a schizophrenic diagnosis they're not going to be violent at all they just they don't want to be bothered with people usually so um but it, it gets such such a, a bad rap and and i work you know with the uh, um no mentally ill side in the, in the community for I'm gonna say like nine years and just learned a lot of stuff and and get to know a person and get to get to uh, see what they likes and don't they kind of like almost like plan ahead or 
what their next steps could be and just like see patterns and trying to prevent hospitalizations and you know, the longer that you work with them. So you kind of like, you try to paint somewhat of a picture to help you like navigate what, what you know, to, to best help them. And it, it, it's, uh, you know, those stories need to be, you know, told more. Because even at, like my last job I had, I had a client and he, he will draw a picture and color something and um, will take something from a magazine or a book and like will redraw it by hand and and will look exactly like like the book and it's uh, it's just uh, all you know do just those skill sets need to be you know told more and and addressed more and bring it bring it out more absolutely i think just kind of going off of that like that's a big reason why we need to have these more have these conversations more it's just to end the stigma because that's what it is a lot of times it's a stigma and there's a lot of things that aren't known about mental health and especially when you're you're talking about schizophrenia I think there's just like this negative inaccurate stereotype that's out there for people that have a schizophrenia diagnosis and you're right like they there's so much talent whether it is poems like we have someone that writes poems so she has a blog with all of her poems we have Um, a couple people that have like a guitar and a bass so they'll sit around after dinner and play the guitar and the bass together and have like their own little band lots of lots of art whether it's drawing painting um, knitting I think two of our houses have gardens that they just like to really invest themselves into and they get so proud because they grow all these like fruits and vegetables and they're really great and then there's this like you kind of said, there's this negative thing out there that if you have a mental illness or you have like this, especially a significant one, you can be violent or aggressive in the crimes. And there was our CEO of our, of our agency. She actually started a staff meeting a few months back. It was after the shooting that happened in Boulder. Cause I'm in Colorado. Okay. Um, and a lot of people are like, Oh, he had, he, it was a mental illness. Like, mentally ill people this and like a negative stereotype of if you're mentally ill you're just going to go have all these mass shootings so we had the conversation of people with mental illness are actually more likely to be the victim of a crime rather than be the perpetrator of a crime so painting this label of mental illness being aggressive and violent and mass murders especially in the media is really dangerous for the mental health world uh, oh yeah, of course. You no, know, we see we see that all the time. Not only mass shootings, but just you know, I grew up you know, in New York, and you know, we see uh, someone being pushed onto an upcoming train, and then like, oh, the person got a mental illness, and and you know, all this like the nar- the the negative narrative that comes you know, with that, and and things uh, things of that nature. But yeah, the most people with a mental illness are, are usually victims and most a lot of them are usually uh, you know, have like credit cards they're usually victims of credit card theft because they're you know, very vulnerable with with their their money and you know um, being robbed easily and just uh, can easily be you know manipulate manipulated with uh, against you know, themselves with uh, 
just uh, in terms of crimes against them. So it, it's they, like you said, they're usually the victims, not not the the aggressors. So it's uh, like you said that that narrative needs to be out there more. And I'm I'm glad in a way for uh, the pandemic that we're in that it's been more uh, mental illness. Light and uh, more and more people or even celebrities are you know, just mental health from back other celebrities talking about it and be more open about it so that, um, it's we still have a long way to go but it's definitely uh we we're we're in the right direction it seems like Yeah, hopefully, hopefully think? we can continue to move forward. So, so, um, how are things in um, Colorado in terms of, uh, you know, social services and, and things of, of that nature? Because you know, that's I, like I, I know the money that uh, they gained from uh, legalizing marijuana. Uh, at least some of the money was used to the agencies and, and things of that nature. What, what are you seeing in, in the field out, out there? You know, I mean, I've definitely looked up to see like where some of the different tax dollars are going and just kind of the breakdown of different things. It's definitely not an area that I know a lot about. And it's not, I mean, I don't know how things are in other states. So there's still definitely a short of a shortage of services out here 100% there's there needs to be more substance like rehab facilities and i would love to see we have a few but i would love to see more of the rehab facilities that will let kids go in with their parents um because i i think that the parent has is more likely to be successful if they have their their child there cuz that's hard um, but there's still a lack of supports and a lack of resources for sure. And then I don't think that a lot of people talk about this and I don't think it was really put out there, but since it, it affected our community mental health that I work for, the behavioral health budget through COVID was cut. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was like $2.3 billion, I think, that oh, they cut the behavioral health budget because of COVID. So it's just interesting that it's the one time that everyone's like, oh, we need mental health because we're in this pandemic and times are crazy and we're all struggling mentally, but then they're cutting specifically the funding for that. I mean, a lot of it was Medicaid, and but that's a lot of money to be cutting for a behavioral health time where like this is the time that we need, we need mental health services more than any other time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I really don't understand you know, states and you know, the federal government don't don't matter who who the it always seems like Medicaid and Medicare dollars get is the first thing that gets cut but outpatient services they they get their funding from Medicaid and mm-hmm. they pay um, people's salaries with you know partly from Medicaid dollars so if you cut programs you're not going to have these programs they're going to close and people are going to lose jobs and so you want to stress we need social workers we need we need this we need mental health professionals out there but 
the first thing you cut is is medic is medicaid and- right. right yeah <laughs> it just makes no sense like like i don't know we i mean we definitely had layoffs last year and then i know right now we're we're extremely short staffed and i think for colorado colorado especially the denver metro area is really expensive and the salaries just are not matching the cost of living out here in my opinion yeah that that seems i mean uh, i i left new york last year and it's just new york is just uh, out of control in terms of of rents and and, and just the cost of cost of living and, and now, now i'm in you know, delaware and you know where, where i'm at and it's like rapidly uh you know expanding and and like like you mentioned the uh i, I found found out very quickly there's definitely a lack of resources down here and, and from what i've been told delaware seems to be a uh, something needs to happen first and then provide services after not something to preventive stuff to, to happen so th- there's definitely a, a lot that needs to happen down here. I know they just opened a, uh, uh, like a inpatient drug treatment center. I think it has some mental health uh, component uh, in, in the facility as well. Like it literally just just opened a, like a couple of weeks ago. But besides that, it's few and far between. You know, those services in the three counties here in Delaware. So it's, it seems like a nationwide problem and hopefully uh, you know, states and this, you know, different states and, and the federal government could pump some more money into the system and the, the resource, the money could be addressed better in the different states that, that need the money for resources and, and invest it wisely and not not on, on, on nonsense. It would be so nice too if we could stop being so reactionary with things of like waiting until something happens in order to be able to help people out and actually maybe help people out before they're in a crisis. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to that place too. That would be really great. I feel like that's the, that's the American way. Like stuff, stuff has to happen <laughs> and, and then, and then do something. It's always seems like that's always been the case, especially. It's so true though. And it's not even, it's, it's just across the board. So like my husband is a veteran and he's reached out before and was like, hey, like, this is what's been going on. Is there any way you can help me, like, pay this bill this month? And they're like, nope, we won't help you. Like, we're not going to help you with your rent. We're not going to help you with these bills because you haven't been evicted from your house. So we can't help you with housing until you're evicted. And we can't help you with this bill because, I mean, you don't, it's not disconnected. So I'm like, can't we not get to that place <laughs> exactly like you gotta be not like nope you have to hit rock bottom for anyone to help you out yeah it it, it does it doesn't make any sense so uh, it, it it's and it, uh, i'm sorry that that's happening to to your husband but it's i've i've had a, i've worked with a couple of veterans and this country doesn't do a a great job in in social services period but you know helping our, our veterans is on top of the list of everything else in the field of not the stuff has to happen stuff has to be rock bottom you got to lose your house you got to 
have your lights cut off, your water your water has to be cut off, and then to, and then you want to say, oh, uh, we'll give you the money, but you got to show proof of you'll be able to How pay in the following months. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's it was a crazy time there a few years ago with all of that. We're good now, but yeah, okay. the VA was not willing to help him out. Well. Yeah, but, but there's many people still still dealing with that. Like it, it, a lot, a whole lot of different things. It's just it just doesn't make any sense in this country. But then, you know, like, help these other countries with, with their crises and like, okay, like the the wars are finally ending in Afghanistan. Okay, so you spent all this money all these years with a senseless war and. Instead of helping anything, even you got the money now to, to end student loan debt. Uh, no, the money's going to go into like the. It's too much the, to help the, you out. <laughs> it's going to go to to the Pentagon. The Pentagon needs more money for for oh, defense. Man. Like they're already getting <laughs> enough money as it is. So I, I, I don't this want, country. Yeah, I this don't country. I won't turn into like. Of bash America kind of thing, but this country needs some work. Yeah, it's <laughs> so it's so ass backwards in, in in this field is is just my my mind boggling and and you see it and then you talk to like non non social workers and family and friends and like oh, like I I'll give you an example like in in like like in New York uh, I still got family and friends out, out there they're like oh Governor Cuomo he's done a a great job blah blah and he's he's up for re-election next year like okay I used to work in the MLTC and he you know the, the MLTC had to merge with another non MLTC because Governor Cuomo refused to give money from like the the, the mental uh, mental hygiene uh, portion of the money that's owed to uh, the agency, they refuse to give up the money. And but then again, during the pandemic, he wants to like write a book and and being accused of, of, of sexual harassment, sexual assault, and doing all this stuff. I'm like, it's just stuff just doesn't make sense with with all these politicians and. State, local level, and the federal government—it's just doesn't make any sense if you put it in a social work aspect. Like we need, we need social workers. We we need school psychologists. You know, we need resources out there. That you know, you no know, drug and alcohol addiction has gotten worse during the pandemic. We have a whole new generation of people with anxiety, depression, or PTSD regarding this pandemic, which we are still in, and people, uh, we, I, I can't stand people saying, we're in post, post-pandemic, like, no, like, the... We're in it. We're still in it. Just because <laughs> like, you're over it doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, just, and now, uh, as of this recording, supposedly CDC is, like, uh, we thinking about putting having uh, vaccinated people with, still got to wear the mask again. I'm like, <laughs> it's just too it's it's too much. Even um, here in, in Delaware, uh, the the governor has has a bill on his desk that he refuses to sign to increase the the number of social workers and school psych psychologists in in the schools throughout the, the state, and he just refuses to sign it. Like 
He says there's no there there's no money for it. I'm like, find the money somewhere. Like just we need it. We need help. It's yeah, crazy. So, yeah, so it's it, it's a, a crazy, crazy time that we you like are are living in and and going through it you know, with the pandemic and trying to provide services and at the same time we we got to work think about our, our ourselves too like you know working in a school setting and you know, I had to make sure that. I try not to go into the school buildings too much, you know, just just because of the you know pandemic and talking about kids might spread it faster and you know, kids already spread regular germs as it is, and now we got a pandemic to worry about. Like I'm not trying to get anything and bring it back home, so it's right. I know. And, and same thing with you know with with residences too. No, you know, you know teaching. Know life life skills and teach the you know, residents. You, know, you got to clean your room and you got to like pay pay a portion of your rent and you know, utilities and, and and all this stuff. At the same time, you go do a room inspection and and their their room is atrocious and it smells and it's well, everything that that comes along with <laughs> life skills and. and is uh, you know you gotta we gotta take care of ourselves as, as much as try to take care of our clients or even more like us I feel like us as the workers and uh, compared to like you no know, you no know, our 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 clients that that we're serving I mean, if we don't take care of us you no know, it's, it's gonna be hard to try to take care of, of our clients right how much can we really help other people if we're not taking care of and helping ourselves. Yeah, I I joke around like you know try to teach like life skills, budgeting skills, and and then like our bank accounts are are in the negative. <laughs> but then I don't know how to budget myself because I have no money. Right. <laughs> it's like the oxymorons in, in in the field that 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 we do, and it's just it's it's crazy. <laughs> I think that's why you see so many. I think that's it's not the main reason I think it's a big reason why you see so many like social workers and psychologists and stuff coming up with all these side hustles going on one because there's obviously lots of gaps within our field and then two we got we got to have some other income in order to pay these bills yeah well, but I've noticed yeah. a ton of a ton of side hustles coming up within the last like year or two years especially throughout COVID oh yeah absolutely and 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 I love that I see more and more uh, of us, uh, you know, social workers, mental health professionals, just thinking outside the box, you know, doing different things, and and that's why I'm trying to like more, a little bit more and more, uh, like on the podcast, especially I want to focus on uh, season three on on having you know, the, the entrepreneurial conversations and having. Uh, you know, teaching about uh, IRAs and and just things, financial stuff, and just the the whole gamut of, of being more financial liter- literate and you no know, stuff that unfortunately the, these social work programs don't 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 teach or refuse to, to teach. So, you know, just get into private practice, get your L- right, right. LM, go get your, get your license, LC. go get your license. <laughs> 
And I was like, what? No, it's one of those like, <laughs> we have we do have so many skills though that do that can translate into the business world. And yes. we have so many skills that obviously can be really helpful for people. And I mean, I don't know for other people, but like for myself, like the biggest thing that scares me is like messing up the money piece of it. Like I'm not trying to get in trouble because I don't know how to run a business kind of thing. So that's the that's the one thing that scares me is because I, like I don't know those things. So I'm trying to educate myself on those things so that I can actually do something. Because I I know that we ha- like we have the skills. I know that we can do it. We would do great. It's just making sure that we understand all of the business aspects of it. Right, and uh, and just I, I've seen you no know, more and more of. People putting it up there, you know, on social media about, you know, like you mentioned, our, our social work skills do translate in, in, into the business, like you said, and just having that dialogue of like, oh, like I didn't even think of it like that, and just I could do that, I could do that, I've done that, and and just trying to like put it, put it in practice and figure stuff out. I mean, there's so much information. Sometimes it's just like information overload. Okay, where where do I go? How how do I start? And like, yeah, I want to start, but it's just like get oh, like <laughs> get over over overwhelming uh, at times as as well, and people could, could get could get stuck and just overthink stuff. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's there there's stuff like I I do Zumba on the side too, and so it's like that's. You know, it's it's something to get me in shape and that terms of self care as well, and you know, make a couple bucks uh, extra from 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 social work. Yeah. So, right. Um. So yeah. So it, this this stuff out there, and I use a, a lot of uh, what we learn in, in social work school about doing groups, and I actually put that in in practice when I do my classes and you know group rules and you know, um, different just different things is put it in practice so it's it's just a lot it's a lot and i mean as as we've talked about today like there's lots of gaps and lots of areas that we can improve on so there's definitely lots of opportunities to kind of jump in and try to fill some of those gaps yeah that, yeah absolutely and um I'm, and um, i'm seeing uh no like i said like I said before, people like thinking outside the box and like, oh, there's this, there's a gap. Like, let me try to, you know, try to solve this. There's a problem. Let me try to solve it and and just bring it out into the forefront. So it's, it, it's it, it's come it's coming along and like I, I just wish that it, it's it's in the grad schools and grad schools is just kind of from what I've seen still stuck on like just. You know, learning about you know, Ericsson or all, all these theories and get your license and then all right, right. Like, I mean it, it I've been in the field like almost 20 years it finally took me like uh May of this year to finally uh, like get my license because uh, I, I had to and like things are are changing here in Delaware in terms of the licensure and stuff like that then I get then I get my LM finally, and then and then I, I'm learning quickly that it doesn't hold the same weight that it does in other states. So now that I've been having conversations uh, about oh, when you're gonna get your LC, I'm like, I just got the LM. Right. <laughs> like, let, let, me, let me be. Let me be. 
I know. And I just, I can't wait to see what actually happens. And I know it's going to be a long process because nothing in the government happens quickly, but I'm curious to see how things will kind of play out as we move forward with them trying to kind of, I and I don't remember the right word to use, but just like make the social work license kind of the same across the country rather than each state having their own separate requirements. So it's so hard for us to move from one state to the next or whatever, because every state has a different thing. So hopefully, hopefully that'll happen soon. And there'll be a little bit more like unity from one state to the next for social workers. Yeah, it, it has to be. It's, it's already from from what I've seen. And I had this conversation on a previous episode of the podcast of I was looking for for a job, you know, when I finally decided, okay, I'm gonna move from New York to Delaware, and I seen so many jobs for uh, LC, and very few needing a LM, and even fewer just having a master's. So like, okay, like, so I'm thinking not only for me, but I'm thinking about the new MSWs that just graduated. Like, you know, you. And it seemed like there's such a a gap between a LC and an LM, not in terms of, of job postings, but in terms of, of salary, and it kind of goes down. I'm like, I got a, a freaking master's or I got an LM, and you want to, like, pay, like, peanuts? Like, like come on. It, it's right. just, it, does, it just doesn't make any sense to pay all this money to go to school and and getting all these all these loans stuff and and just to pay peanuts and then we gotta pay rent or pay mortgage and then this this the cost of living keeps going up and up and up and, and without and the salaries are, are not not matching so it, it's it's just craziness i'm just waiting for the respect to come through for our work that's what i'm waiting <laughs> on because it's not there right now and you can see it in the salaries yeah, I mean, it, it goes from, from the time, not only just the government, I mean, the government is going to be the government, but even like with the NESW, like, it, it doesn't come too much from, from them either. So it's right. like, we're, we got to bring our own like self-respect into the work. And, and, That's why and all just, of us I'm, are doing so much fighting for ourselves. Yeah. Doing so much. Hopefully mm-hmm. it helps. I think it's great. Yeah, and just like supporting you know, each other and having you know, you know these type of conversations like this, and you know, as I got into more of the, of the podcast, just like all right, let me like since I can't meet people in person, let me use the podcast and meet people this way and like promote their work, what they're doing, and finding out what what's out there and kind of like bridge, trying to bridge the gap a little bit in terms of what's going on, how how I could you know, spread the message out of, of what's going on in different states or, or in different countries of what exactly is going on and, and come together and and have our voices heard. Yeah. No, I think it's great. It's a, the amazing thing about technology. Like you're def- we're definitely able to stay connected with people all over the world and hopefully yeah. continue to just like learn and get more out there for other people to learn too. So um how how was uh how was 2020 for you? You know, it was interesting, I guess to say the least. I've been working from home since 
March, my last day in the office was actually St. Patrick's Day of 2020. So I've been at home ever since then. I don't know if my agency will ever go back into the office. And it doesn't sound like anyone really will full time unless they have to like our nurses and our pharmacists kind of thing. But for the most part, no one's really going back in full time. And so it was interesting. And then I just had some other like personal stuff going on in 2020, where like my mom was really she was not doing well with medical stuff. So trying to fight doctors on all that nonsense. So it was interesting to say the least. Um, but it was also, I mean, I tried to make the most of it, like had lots of time for us to spend at home with the family and really, I, I don't know, we came out of it in our relationship actually stronger. And we ended up getting married this year where I know sometimes for some people, it was hard on relationships. So we tried to make the most of it and take advantage yeah. of the things that we had. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, it was, it was rocky, but it was also, it was good. And then good things are happening this year. So I guess thanks 2020 for pushing some good things on us too, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> but it was rough. It was definitely rough. Yeah, It was rough for work and rough at home. So yeah, I could definitely, uh, you know, relate to that. And it was an interesting be- beginning. And then just March came and March to August was like, <laughs> terrible. And then September came and like, oh, okay. <laughs> there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And then and then <laughs> off to the races into 2021, uh, off to a, a good start. And then like... It's been a, a little choppy uh, since then. Good, but a little choppy. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, 2020 is just definitely one for the books. I don't think anyone's ever really going to forget 2020 and the shit show that it was and everything. But, man. Yeah. I, got, I, I got something to to look look forward to where I'm like a little bit older and my, and my kids have kids and I like. I would love to hear uh, how uh, when, when my kids have have my my grandkids like and, and being told about twenty twenty. Right, I know. <laughs> like my our kids grandparents were like, I, I walked up up, I walked to school uphill both ways in the snow, and like for us, it's gonna be like we were trapped at home for a year and a half and not allowed to leave. No one went to school because we weren't allowed to. No one went to work because we weren't allowed to. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We, it'll be yeah. interesting to read it in the history books. That's for sure. Yeah, we wore masks and like made we like made masks and we tried to sell masks. We, tried, right. <laughs> we had all different different color masks. And it's, we had one to match we, all your outfits. We, yeah. We, <laughs> The fashion trends we, these days. We ran, we ran out of toilet paper like, <laughs> for months. <laughs> toilet paper. There were no baby wipes. I couldn't even get wipes for my child. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was interesting to see it, see the panic mode for everybody. But I mean, Colorado—they stayed open for liquor stores and dispensaries because weed and alcohol were considered essential. So at least people had that. Yeah, with um, de- definitely um, 
Oh, in, in New York, like I was working in in, in New York uh, during that time, and yeah, de- definitely saw lines for the liquor stores. So it was definitely deemed deemed essential down here. And then coming to read and you no know, you no know, finding out, and and even uh, had a uh, addiction uh, advocate on 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 season one of my podcast, and it was just you no. Know, Alcohol consumptions like through the roof, and then you know, pe- people with you no know, addiction couldn't go to twelve step meetings and having difficulty time, a difficult time with uh, you know twelve step groups on Zoom. So it's definitely not the same. So yeah, I've definitely seen that, especially in child protection, like the increase of substance use. There's definitely an increase in that. There seems to be an increase, and I don't know if there's like statistics on it. I, I guess I haven't actually done the research. It's just from what we're seeing in child protection, is there seems to be more violent and intense domestic violence situations, um, or there's a lot more like really severe injuries or mm. death from them. That seems to be increasing. Um, obviously, our mental health is seeing an increase there. And then crime. I mean, my car was stolen last year okay. and everything. Like crime seems to be through the roof now. And it'll be interesting. I know I know that there were statistics that came out and I think they put them out last year and they kind of got a lot of they got a lot of crap for it for um, suicide. And they were they put it out last year of like suicide numbers are at a low, blah, blah, blah. But then it was what like three months into covid so people were like i feel like this is really insensitive when we're all really struggling with a lot of different things so it'll be interesting to see the suicide rates kind of come out in the next couple years to see how that's being impacted by covid yeah i i i I don't think it's low i think it it might either stay the same or 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 increase because even no work working with the kids in the school district that definitely you know mental health was impacted and there were like thoughts of I, I whatever kids with thoughts of suicide I had a kid try to commit suicide and and it's like they weren't even going to school it was just you no know, virtual learning and being stressed out from le- virtual learning and, and just not handling well and not you know being isolated and just having uh no kids just if they're they don't have siblings it's just down with their parents all, all day long or even if you have siblings and your siblings are, are now your schoolmates like and just 24 7 all day you just you know, it, it gets it gets tiring after a while <laughs> so it's, right. yeah, i i I'm definitely like to see uh you know, those those numbers you know and it, they haven't come out with them yet. I do. I look at. I look at them quite a bit, just because. I mean, that's what. What I'm trying to do on the side is focusing okay. on suicide. So. Yeah, I so, do look at the numbers a lot. So they haven't really. They haven't come out with those just yet. Okay. Uh, so so yeah, what you have on on the side now? Tell me more more about that because that that's what kind of like drew me in to, to have you go on the on the podcast because yeah. I. I I actually had a, a friend in 2014 uh, who committed suicide. He shot himself in his car. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 
just kind of like little backstory, I guess. I lost my dad to suicide back in 2003. So I was a freshman in high school. Um, and it was rough. I'm also from a really small town. So people were calling us and knew about it before we had even like told anyone kind of thing. Mm. So it was crazy. It was, it was definitely a weird time. And it was definitely a time where being from a small town and the town that I'm from, it was rough because there was a lot of like stigma and judgment kind of going back to that conversation we had earlier. There's definitely a lot of stigma around suicide and a lot of people kind of whispering behind your back when you walk by and um, you kind of become that person rather than like, my name is actually Katie. I'm not the person that lost their dad to suicide kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's actually not my identity, believe it or not. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of, what got me into social work. It took me a little bit of time to figure out what social work was and like what to actually do in the field and everything. But that is ultimately what kind of led me in this direction. So over the years, like personal and professional experience, I have found that there are a lot of different supports out there for people that are struggling with suicidal thoughts and maybe even have had attempts. Um, So there's, there's a lot of different supports out there for those people. Um, definitely still need some work, but they're out there. And then there's a lot of different supports around grief and loss, but there's not a lot of things out there that are specific to suicide, grief, and loss. Mm -hmm. And I think a suicide loss is, it can definitely be a lonely place because there is a lot of judgment from other people. There's a lot of judgment within yourself. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of blame. There's a, I don't know, it's just like this whole big, I don't know, ball of emotions that you go through when you lose someone to suicide. So it gets really, really lonely too. So I just wanted to create something that's for people that have lost someone to suicide so that they they know that they're not lonely. And it's one of those things. And I know it's a big thing that we say in the mental health world of like, it's okay to not be okay because mm-hmm. those days happen and it's completely okay to not be okay. That's part of life. I also think that it's really important and it's something that like I've had to have the conversation with myself is it's okay to be okay. Because I think sometimes you kind of feel guilty for getting to a place where like you're starting to move forward with your life again and like you have a happy moment or you do this or like you go on vacation and you're enjoying life and then it's like oh shit should I be really having this good of a time when this person was feeling so down and so low that they ultimately took their life? So then there's that guilt of feeling good and being happy again. So it's just, I don't know, like I said, it's just this like whirlwind of emotions and different internal struggles that you have within yourself. So I want to create a place for other people to be able to kind of like process through that and process through their grief and also know that they're not alone and they have other people in this unfortunate community that we're a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, like we talked about before, like there, there's a, you know, there's a problem, there's a gap in, in terms of service and, no, you just hit a a, a solution, or you realize that there's not there's not enough support in terms of people who, who lost somebody due to due to suicide, and, and 
it is so much you no know, needed you know you know just have regular you no know, grief you no know, groups and you no know, support groups and things of that nature but specifically you know for for suicide it was just i i don't don't really see or or hear so much about that so it's great that 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 you're doing that and and you know i'm sorry about um uh, the loss of your dad and um, I can't even imagine it's been like, really hard for you, you know, going a freshman year in high school, which is already a, a pivotal, pivotal thing right. already. That, that already all the emotions was, and hormones. <laughs> yes, and then having that, so, um, I, I think you know you, you found you know, your niche with that, and I would go like full, full, full throttle with that as much as much as possible with that because it's definitely uh you know a need and then when my friend passed away i was already going through a a shitty time uh 2014 um i, I think even uh, even going through 2020 i think 2014 was still uh is like 2014 is like one and 2020 is like 1a of having like <laughs> shitty years as an adult <laughs> and and just like I was already going through through stuff and then like not remember vividly being at home and like my friend my friend called me and actually I spoke to my friend who committed suicide like there was like a Tuesday he had called me like was having issues with his girlfriend and and then like I like I remember I was like on on the bus I used to live in New Jersey at the time and like on my way to work and I really couldn't really understand what he was you know talking to me like I heard like bits and pieces and like trying to give him some advice on like what to do with his situation and then like literally like two days later like uh, our mutual friend called me it was like our friend was like he used to collect guns and like one of the guns was missing and we tried to find him where he's at and then like the next day, and I finding out, like, you know, he shot himself. I didn't know he like was was dead or not. And then come to find out, he like shot himself in, in his car. So it was just a crazy, a crazy, crazy time. And you know, he just had a a baby, uh, like that year too. And I'm like, just and it doesn't it it doesn't matter, like could be going through whatever and, and some good moments come like having a, a newborn and just being the dad for the first time and just you go through something it doesn't matter what like that you you hit rock bottom and it's, if you don't get things addressed like it, nothing really is gonna, gonna matter you, you see that in, in substance abuse too like you have a beautiful family and you get addicted it just it, it doesn't matter so it's just I think you found your niche, like me as a as a peer, as a peer in the social work field. Like it is definitely much seen it, and I think now, you know, in twenty twenty one, with, with still pandemic and moving forward, you no know, thinking, you no know, thinking ahead into twenty twenty two. Like I, I think you know, these groups are gonna be needed more and more, and who knows what's gonna happen this upcoming school year. You know, across this country is going to be a very interesting time in the school systems throughout the country. Yeah, for sure.
for sure. Yeah, it's it's um it's unfortunate that it's probably going to be even more needed than it is now. I mean, I think it's already needed and that's unfortunate. And I think it's unfortunate that it's something that's going to be even more needed most likely. So it's sad. It's just unfortunately the reality that we're in right now. And hopefully the more we kind of talk about it and the more we put things out there, the more people will understand and the more those that are struggling will feel more comfortable to reach out for help. Because I think right now it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a burden or it's this and it makes people uncomfortable because it does do all those things. Suicide's a really uncomfortable conversation. Oh, yeah, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't we shouldn't talk about it. And there's there's such a negative view of people that do complete suicide of like, oh, they're selfish or they're this or they do have all these things going for them. It, I think at the end of the day, it's actually not about those things and it's not about it's not about some of the things that we think is so perfect and great. It's a struggle within themselves. And after my dad died, somebody actually, they were kind of talking and they were like, it's kind of like, it's not the same, but it's, it's, he had been struggling and he had a slow death over years because he had this disease that just kind of like slowly killed him over time. Mm. And it woke a lot of people up because there were a lot of people that were like, oh, he's selfish. How could he ever do this to his kids or his wife or this or that? And someone finally was like, no, 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 that's not what happened. Like he had a disease and it, it just eventually killed him over time because it's not, it's one of those things, like it's not a selfish act. I don't believe that it's a selfish act. And I don't think that people will be able to convince me that what my dad was self did was selfish because it was actually one of the last things he said was, you guys will be better off without me, which tells me that it wasn't to be selfish. It was actually like selfless because he thought that it was the best thing to do for us. Mm. It wasn't accurate, but it wasn't a selfish act. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for us. Right. Which is weird, but it's hard for people to understand it. No, of course, but... You know, I I could kind of see where your dad, you know, was coming from, and that and just having, you know, that transparency and having that conversation like that, you know, from from the perspective and, and is important is important to have, and you know, at least you had, you know, that that he told you guys that, and so, or not not a lot of people are, are that lucky to have. To have that, you just find out, you know, they just, you know, have these thoughts and they they act on them, and, and it's just like, what happened? They trying to find, you know, pick up the pieces and like, what, like, what happened? Why I could have done? And just the guilt comes in, and just mm-hmm. you know, it's that blame game. Like, yeah. I should have stepped up and done more. I should have said this. I should have asked this. I should have done this. Or like, why didn't they do this? It's just the endless list of questions that you ask with a suicide, it makes it hard. Yeah. And, and suicide from a social work perspective is so hard to, to even uh, assess. Like you could do all these like suicide contracts and stuff and somebody might feel great. And, but then that's where you really gotta be like, even thinking about it even more. Okay. They feel great. So they have enough energy to even go through, whatever plan they might have. So it's, 
it's it's always something that in our, in our field that always continually be be trained on and, and warning signs and, and but it's always something that just just never known like somebody just like the act before thinking that the, the aftermath or just act impulsive and on impulse and do something in fact clients that I work with that they were just impulsive and then just you know and and then just afterwards well yeah my, no, I made a mistake and I, I I know better now so but you know, some people are just not not that lucky so it's 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 something we always got to be you know, like I said trained on and you know assess and this is always hard to assess that that type of thing yeah, it is. It's definitely a hard area and it's definitely, it's still an area that needs work and improvement. And I mean, we know obvious also like statistically speaking, if a person has a history of suicidal thoughts and they're finally to that place that they're okay and they're happy and they seem great, that sometimes can be a bigger risk factor than them actually being in that place of being actively suicidal or having those thoughts Cause that can also mean that like they've come to the place and they're like at peace with their decision to follow through with it. So it's hard. It's, it's a really hard place to be in for us as professionals of like, which one is it? Are they okay or are they not okay? And we actually should be really worried. That last question. Yeah. Any uh, goals for the rest of 2021? Yeah, I have a few. I um I like to do everything all at once. So <laughs> we we did just get married last month, so that was one goal for the year that we were able to do and had a great time with that. And then hopefully I will pass this LCSW exam, so I will have my LCSW. That's a big goal for me. Um, we're moving, so then once I move, hopefully I can get a good job and also get my strength after suicide really up and up and running and successful those are my big ones and good, good luck with the with the lc thank you i'm a terrible test taker so i need all the good thoughts oh me too good vibes sent my way because because <laughs> <laughs> i'm bad <laughs> but hopefully hopefully it comes you you you, you got this uh you yes. <laughs> One, one day at a time. <laughs> yep, that's what I need to keep telling myself. One day at a time. Slow myself down. So, I'll CSW so first, and then and then yes. the suicide, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> thank you so much for for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you. No, thank you. It was nice to talk to you, and I guess we'll we'll say meet meet you over over voice. Yeah, and and that there's always there's always Instagram too. <laughs> yep, yep. No, I follow you on there too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good All one. Right. Take care. You too. Bye.